Before we start this episode, I thought I'd tell you that I've got a new book out. Yes, another one. This one is to help coaches supercharge their coaching capability through reflective journaling. Coaching Journal, a guide and journal, walks you through the process by, well, providing you with a guide and some structured reflective models. So pop over to Amazon and get this quick, practical and insightful book today to start your journey towards a more successful professional practice. What would you put in your backpack if you had a new coaching engagement but could only take a limited number of items? Each week, The Coach's Backpack looks at the multifaceted world of coaching and asks a new guest to tell us what they would take with them and why. I am David Lowe and this week we're taking a peek inside the backpack of Lucinda Quigley from Talking Talent. Welcome Lucinda. Thank you for having me. So the first challenge you have is how would you describe what you do in under 20 words? So I am Head of Working Parents at Talking Talent, who are a global coaching company, and I'm an executive coach. Thank you very much. Right, here is the situation. You've been asked to coach a new client, but are limited to what you can take with you. So don't worry, you have your essentials. You've got your clothes, your toothbrush and your cat. In addition to all of those, you can take one book, one tool, technique, concept, method, approach, whatever you want to call it. One other item of your choice, plus a person from the past or the present to accompany you. So, Lucinda, what and whom would you take with you and why? I found this quite difficult. I love to read. So I read for, for pleasure, novels, and I also obviously read for work. And so there were a couple of options for this. I thought, should I take my favourite book? Should I, my favourite novel? Should I take a book that I feel is most helpful to my clients? Should I take a coaching book? And I sort of rounded on one, which I think is probably a bit of all of those things, um, which is a fairly new to the market book. It's been around for the last couple of years, a book called Untamed by Glennon Doyle. The strap line of it is stop pleasing, start living. It's autobiographical and it tells the story of someone who moved from a a difficult marriage where she was cheated on. She had already been really successful in her first life, if you like, which I think is really interesting. What I most enjoy about this book is it's all about being authentic and being able to be yourself, to show vulnerability and the importance of being vulnerable and authentic for being a parent. And is it just about parenting? No, it tells the story. It, it's her journey, really, from her. So she was she was married to a um, she was married to a man. He cheated on her. They had three children together. She had written some books about being a successful wife in that relationship, and she was part of a, a sort of a Christian network in America. Had got fame on that network. Um, she went to a conference one day, met a woman, fell in love with her and realised that that was what she wanted in her life. And so it's her journey from that to her new life where she's, so she's married. She's married to Abby Wambach, who's a really successful, uh, she's, I think she's the highest female goal scorer in uh, soccer in America. I suppose, you know, to coin a term, she's a motivational speaker, but her story is a lot more interesting than that. But I think it's interesting that you ask, is it a book about parenting or just about parenting? For me, there were certain bits that I that I think were really important about parenting, but I think it's more about 
the importance of being a parent and being your own self, basically. It is unlike any other book that I have read. Okay, all right, so you've got your book. What else are you going to put in your backpack? So in terms of a concept or a tool, this I came to really easily. In my work with working parents, there's one tool that I revisit time and time again to support parents to really think about how can they really enjoy their life as a working parent. And, you know, those of us who are working parents know that that is often a struggle. Um, You know, the biggest question I probably get asked is, you know, how can I get my work-life balance? And I'm not a big believer in work-life balance. I think that work-life balance is a bit of a it's misleading and it makes people feel like there's this holy grail that they're going to one day get to have work-life balance. But actually the reality is, is that on some days you might feel like you've cracked it on, on other days, you'll probably feel like you haven't. So the tool that I often use with parents to get them to think about this and to get them to focus on the things that are important to them in their week is literally the tool is called the ideal week. And it's really simple. I encourage coaches to draw out their working week. Um, sometimes if it's important, they can include their weekend, but in, in general, we focus on, on the working week. And it's a process of just putting down the things that need to go in that week. So the must-haves, so work, pickups and drop-offs of their child or children. And then you add in the things that you would like to have in. So the things that are going to you know, fill your cup. Is that meeting friends? Is it exercising? Is it spending time with your partner or your family? And then obviously the important thing is once you've done that exercise is to think about, well, what are the boundaries that I need to put in to make this happen? So am I one of those people that isn't very good at leaving work on time? Am I one of those people that finds it difficult to actually ask for help and support, maybe like babysitting? or, you know, ask to be able to go to the gym or, you know, meet with friends. And these conversations can be so useful for working parents, just really giving them the time to think about what is going to help them make their week enjoyable. So many questions have come to mind now about your type of work that you do. I'm going to throw a load out there and we're going to see, see where we go. So first of all, the question is, do some people struggle more than others? Is there a type of person, either number of kids, age of kids, the type of work they do? What's kind of a trend if there is one? I think it's a really good question. Um, and I think if I had the answer to it, I would probably be richer than I am. I think where I focus a lot of my time is supporting people to return to work. And interestingly, through our research, we know that that return to work after having a child is still the biggest crunch point for any parent in their sort of parental career, if you like. Even when we ask parents of teenagers, what's the most difficult point? And they will always go back to that. So we know it's a really important important and difficult stage. I think people who tend to thrive through that, yes, they do probably have better support. So it may be that they have family support around them or friends. I don't think it's a must-have, but I think that really helps. And then I think actually with the return to work piece, it's how many honest and open conversations are they able to have with their manager about 
what they're experiencing. I think, you know, a lot of the time when parents return to work, they can feel they have to completely be the same person that they were before they went off. And in my experience, most parents go back expecting more of themselves than probably is being expected of them at work. And that's absolutely because they want to prove themselves. They want to show that they haven't lost anything in the time that they've been off. But the reality is, is that moving forward into this new phase of being a working parent does come with challenges. And you're asking yourself as an individual to bring together two priorities, which have previously allowed time on their own. So, you know, previously you've been allowed to focus on work when you were a professional, then you're allowed to focus on being a parent. And when you go back to work, you have to find space for these two priorities. So there's some reflection to be done, I think, around, you know, what am I, what, what's, what am I expecting of myself in those first couple of weeks? And I think the people who succeed or the people who find it easier have more realistic expectations of what life is going to be as a working parent. Right. If you could have a wish for things that go, as a parent going back after being off for, I, I presume we're talking paternity or maternity leave. Absolutely. Yeah. Any yeah. leave. And, and I would also say this is, this isn't necessarily about length of leave. You know, you could have a parent who has been off for three weeks. It's they've still gone through this process. They still mm. now have this other big priority in their life. And for a lot of people who are returning to work while their partners are still at home with their babies, they're not actually returning to an office. So they're trying to work in a separate room or even in the kitchen with a three week old baby crying. You don't have a routine at that stage that, you know, that's a really tricky situation mm. to be in. Mm. So support network open comes with your manager and real expect, realistic expectations with, for yourself. Yeah. And, and do people struggle more the longer they've had off? Not necessarily. I think there are probably other factors that come in with when you've had a really long time off. So confidence, we know, is one of the biggest things that takes a hit for, I mean, anybody who has any you know time for any reason away from work. But for working parents, we know that confidence is a big area that people struggle with. And particularly in this current climate where there's so much change going on in companies as well. You know, quite often people are coming back to new teams, new managers, and having to do all of that from home. So confidence is definitely something that is challenged. I feel like I'm quitting you on this, but uh, I have my own business. And that work-life balance of someone who has their own business, I think, is even harder because you never really finish work. But I wonder if there's a difference between people who have their own business and who are employed. The challenges are probably still the same. That question of, well, how do I find the time to do it all? And I think the, the question that, that, that is the same for everybody is, how do I feel like when I'm working, I'm giving it my best. And then when I'm being a parent, I'm giving it my best. Mm. So that when you're playing those two different roles, you feel like you're doing them to the best of your ability and then hopefully maybe enjoying them. The reality is for a lot of parents is, and particularly that was one of the hugest you know, challenges during lockdown is that people were literally having to move from employee to parent, employee to parent, employee to parent, probably, you know, 10 times in the space of five minutes mm. in some situations. And that's challenging because for most of us, we play different roles. We have different goals and objectives in each of those roles. We have different ways of behaving. And when you put it all together under one roof, 
And so for people, I suppose, who are self-employed, that that challenge, as you say, because they may never actually switch off, is, you know, even more distinct. And I suppose for, you know, in that situation, it's about, well, how do you really carve out the time? You know, the ideal week is a, is a great tool for doing that. How do you carve out the time when you know you're focusing on work? And then how do you carve out the time when you know you're focusing on your children or your family? Right, grilling over. So we've got your ideal week. We've got Untamed. They're both in the backpack. You've still got your other item of choice, plus your person. What's next? The thing that I've landed on, I suppose, is an extension of what we've been talking about today. And I hope you're not going to tell me off for it being too abstract. So first of all, I'm going to say that my, my other thing that I would take with me is time. But to be a bit clearer about that, there's a fantastic TED Talk, which I often recommend to my working parents called The Third Space by someone called Adam Fraser. And really simply in that TED Talk, he talks about how can you find the time in your day as a working parent when you're not being an employee and you're not being a parent. All you're doing is being yourself. And in that time, there's no strict mandate for what you should be doing, but the time is there, that third space, to allow you to process what you've probably achieved in the other roles and also how do you want to move forward. So I think, you know, a classic example where people are really missing out on this is the commute at the moment. So for people who aren't commuting, you know, you know everybody, you know, no one's been commuting, Often that commuting time would be a really useful time, probably not noticed, you know, this is all subconscious, where people would, you know, think about what they'd achieved that day, process, have I tied up all my emails? What do I need to do tomorrow? And then maybe as the journey, you know, came to an end, start thinking about what am I going to cook for supper that night? What am I going to watch on TV? What do I want to do with my children? And that time has disappeared. So I think... If, as a working parent, you can find a time, not necessarily to do that kind of thinking, but to process, you know, what am I proud of today? What have I achieved? What, what are my successes? And then also to think about how do I want to be with my children? I was coaching someone the other day who was going on to have their second child, who talked about and reminded themselves that with their first child, they had given themselves five minutes in between arriving at the nursery car park and actually going in the door. And the space just mentally that that had given them was about preparing how they wanted to go in and be with their child. And whether it's listening to your favorite music or just taking a few deep breaths or reading a couple of pages of your book. I know for me, just finding that space in the day is always really useful. Or having a gin and a and a cigarette. <laughs> no, we didn't say that. Didn't say that. Yes, and the totally get the whole lack of commute. I mean, I'm noticing that working in my office, which is ten minutes away from home. I worry I used to do a two hour commute each way into London. Yeah, and so, but I think I think you can recreate it. So I remember in lockdown, I got into the habit of rather than running downstairs when I'd finished a coaching call to go and see my children and check they're okay. Um, at the end of the day, I would get into the habit of maybe changing my top, having a big glass of water and washing my hands. And just that process of 
I think slowing down actually is is the bit that is really helpful in a lot of this yeah I found that really helpful because often I would just go downstairs and my head would still be upstairs yeah and I've just had a thought Lucinda I think what we should do is make some cardboard trains that we can just stick in a park somewhere and people can get into their suits or whatever it is they used to wear come to the park sit on the train we, I'll even move the cardboard train around so it looks like it's moving and uh, we'll give them some really crap coffee like they're on the train and then or maybe we'll just delay it as well sometimes I'll just refuse to let them out for half you an hour. You have someone eating really noisily next to them yes. as well that was always a feature of being on a train isn't it? Have someone headphones with someone with yeah. leakage from their headphones as well yeah and then everyone can push on and not we'll, we'll just let make everyone get on at the same time just to recreate it. I think it's a winner. We'll charge like, I don't know, we'll charge 50 quid a go or something just to make it realistic. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It's a winner. Uh, you heard it here first. <laughs> How much time did you want, by the way? Well, I think, you know, actually five minutes is sometimes just enough. Five minutes. Okay. In a day. Yeah. So you've got some pots of five minutes in your, in your backpack now that you can just give out. Nice. I love that. Right. Well, I'd, I'd like one of those pots as well, if I could have one at some point. OK, good. Well, we should probably find out what's going to complete this collection that you're taking. So you've got this person. Again, they can be from the past or present. They're alive, by the way, if they come back from the past. They're not, you're not just taking a course. No. Who are you going to take? So I'm going to take my hairdresser, which probably sounds more shallow than it actually is. My hairdresser has been my hairdresser since I was 16. Uh, so let's just so say... Oh, <laughs> let's just say, you know, a while. So she's, you know, she's been a big part of my life and seen a lot of the different stages that I've been through. The reason why I'd pick her is one, yes, I do really like having my hair done and it would be great to have blow dries on tap. But two, she, whenever I go to see her, we always have really interesting conversations about topics such as well-being mental health she's really well read um, and she likes similar things to me so we always share book recommendations and she makes me laugh which I think is really important and maybe you know if I'm coaching a busy working parent she would do their hair as well which I'm sure they would really appreciate so that is my pick I would like Sarah my hairdresser in my backpack okay and that just made me think we've not had a hairdressing coach they must have coaches who like coach stylists you need to get one of them on. Yeah. yeah. I might get a free haircut because let's face <laughs> it, I've had this hairstyle since, I don't know, many, many years. It was fashionable <laughs> for a very short period in the late 90s, early 2000s. So I could probably do with a, a rebrand. Oh, I'll be interested to see that. I'm not sure where you'd go. No, I don't know. Well, and I'm just, I mean, I didn't think I'd have hair this long. I've got to be honest, as in for this period in my life I thought I it would have gone say, by that could be confusing for people who haven't seen you yeah it's not long hair, hair. I don't have it <laughs> it's very short but I've had it for a long time good okay well you've now got your book your approach your object and your person that's in the backpack now sometimes when we pack these things people might help us and some things might slip into the backpack that we didn't want in there so if there's one thing that you would want to make sure is not in your backpack what would it be? A banana. I'm sorry? A banana. A banana. Do you know what? This is not the first time a banana has been brought up. 
I didn't know there was this much hatred for bananas in the world. Go on, tell well, us more. What, what's well, the problem with bananas? I, I, so I actually have some bananas here next to me and I like bananas. They're green and very fresh and crispy. Um, I once, in my old profession, when I worked in the media, I used to have to go on a lot of conferences and um, it, it actually makes me a bit sick to think about it now. I, we had pool laptops. These were in the days before we all had our own laptops. So I took this laptop off to this conference in, uh, in Wales and I was setting up and I happened to be quite hungover um, as was typical of those days when I worked in the media. I pulled the laptop out, put my hand in to get the, um, the charger cable out and put my hand on, I mean, I don't know how old it was, but let's say an old... I mean, it was it, the fact that you knew it was a banana was only because of its smell, not because of what it looked like. That is pretty grim. Yeah. So you could, you're okay with a green, tough banana, yeah. but anything that's squidgy, squidgy bananas, not what you want. It smells of banana, actually. Well, and I remember actually that the previous item wasn't really banana. It was, I think, it was the fake banana. It was a smell of like that kind of. Fake oh yeah, I don't. Oh, I hate that. Like banana milkshakes and. Yeah. Yeah. See, I love a banana. I love a fake banana milkshake as well it's kind of my guilty pleasure all the way um okay so well bananas i mean I, that doesn't really fit into coaching but that's just i mean that took you no time to think of at all um you've struggled on you said you'd struggled on all of the others but that was bananas bananas okay uh and one final question then where do you hope you are or are not going on this fictional gig so i i mean i love what i do and i find it incredibly fulfilling I would love to be doing it in a place which allowed me to do one of the other things that I love to do, which is to ski. So if I could go and do some working parent coaching in the middle of the Alps or in the middle of British Columbia in Canada, that would tick all the boxes. Okay. And of course, there's the Apri ski because you've still got that little bit of media person in you, I'm sure, Lucinda. But, but let's, I'm not <laughs> going to make you answer that. Absolutely. Yeah. And um, I'm wondering if, I mean, I, uh, you know, we, I, I did quite a lot of walking coaching during lockdown. I still do a bit of it now, but, you know, giving people the opportunity to get out of the house and walk around the block while they were being coached and, you know, lots of huge benefits to that. But I'd love to have a go at skiing coaching. So actually skiing while you're coaching. Yeah, why not? You know, mm. get your, get your turns in sync with each other, ask a couple of questions, sitting on a nice, chairlift having a coaching conversation in the beautiful fresh mountain air i think it could be um yeah really valuable i'm up for that i'll, uh, <laughs> I'll be a, i'll be a guinea pig well this has been wonderful lucinda fascinating choices it's another book that needs to go on my list for anyone who wants to know more about lucinda quickly where can they go uh, so I'm on LinkedIn, um, but if you'd like to know more about the work that I do, then you can visit talking-talent.com. Brilliant. And we shall put the links in the show notes so people can just click away. Okay, well, thank you very much, Lucinda Quigley, for being our guest on The Coach's Backpack. Thank you for having me. And thank you for joining us on this episode of The Coach's Backpack. If you would like extra goodies, such as free tools, offers, further info about our guests, and maybe even an odd peek inside their actual backpack, sign up to our mailing list at thecoachesbackpack.com. And don't forget to follow the podcast too. See you next time.